welcome back to the What The Fork podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Today's guest really needs absolutely no introduction, but he will get one. He's an Argentinian wizard who became an absolute legend at Sunderland, a hero at Middlesbrough, and someone to admire when he went to South Shields, and he also had a small stint at the Willow Pond. Welcome to the show, Julio Walker. How are you? Are you all right? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Getting by. You're joining us all the way from Argentina, I believe. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Being back home nearly a year and a half now. Uh, yeah, close to two years now. Um, after being in England for well around 19 years, 20 years, uh, we decided to to get back home just uh, for some time. Uh, should you spend you know time with the family, uh, have friends? Uh, well, we have everyone here, so yeah. Uh, our idea is yeah, spend some time here, and possibly in the near future, maybe go back to UK or somewhere in Europe. We'll see how things develop, especially now with this uh, virus and this crazy yeah. time we live in. So we'll see how things how things develop, and then we we make a decision. But if you do come back, I just believe you've got another one added to the family. Um, I believe there's a, another little one. How are you feeling two or three days yeah, ago? It's, it's good. Um, he'll, be, he'll be complaining that he, he got two brothers that uh, born in England, English passport, and then uh, uh, he born here. But um, now we, we're over the moon, to be honest. Uh, another boy as well. So I should need one more for the back four. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You were left back. I go, I go the full defense. In there, you know? <laughs> so you're gonna have to have a right back and two centre halves, and you at left back. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could try. Yeah, I could try. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, over the moon, over the moon. Just starting. Well, starting from scratch again. You know what it's like, and uh, um, not sleeping much at the moment, and you know going to to square one. But we enjoy doing that. We we done that two times before. So you prepared. Uh, it's a lot easier now compared to before, of course. Of course, absolutely. Um, before we go into your career, I, obviously I, I've got a little bit of insight into this, but you've started up a new company. Just for the people who don't know, what is it that you're, you're currently doing away from, well, within football, but away from playing football? Yeah, what happened uh, was uh, when I moved back home, I had to obviously take uh, all my things from, from UK to, to Argentina and uh, it wasn't easy. It was quite quite stressful uh, thing to do, and um, right here I heard that uh, a friend of a friend was uh, working for a for a big international company here. Um, just talking about my experience and talking about what he wanted to do in the future, uh, we came to the idea of uh, doing the sports side. You know, uh, a sports side that concentrate on international moves. So basically, what we do is one. Any athlete around the world or any footballer uh, want to move from one country to other or from one continent to a different continent like it happened to me, we should look after them. Uh, we basically do everything from, from them. We've got a service called door to door. So, for example, like it happened to me, you know, everything that was in my house there, I bring it to my house here, unpackage everything, put everything as it was over there. And that's it, basically. Should take all the stress, and it's something that uh, players don't really pay attention on that till you need to. And I don't, I don't think uh, we haven't heard about many companies offering that. I know it's one in UK, 
but I think it's a national one. I don't, I don't think it's international. So basically, we can we can go anywhere in the world. We got a lot of people working for for the company. Our company called Premier Sport Division. Uh, they can find you. They can find us uh, in Instagram. Uh, Instagram is at Premier dot sd um, and then uh, the company working alongside us uh, is uh, universal cargo that's a big company with uh, over 35 years in the in the business so they basically backing us up and they allow us to to open to open this sports site uh, to do basically what i told you so slowly start to get some names in the resting we we already done three uh, during this pandemic uh, time and, and hopefully by next year when things start to get back to normal we get a lot more busier. Yeah that's amazing because I remember when you came over and you were barely 18 but be- before I go into to that I want to concentrate a little bit on your time in Argentina and even before that I want to concentrate on a particular photo. Now you'll have seen the photo it's, it's you maybe six or seven yeah wearing the yellow Sunderland shirt. I just need to ask, how how did that happen? Well, that's crazy how, how it happened. Uh, and I didn't know even a few years after I bought that shirt. Uh, what happened when I was 10, 11 years old, I went to, I was playing for Argentino Juniors. Yeah. Um, and Argentino Juniors, every few years, was going to Italy to play a, a tournament. Um, in a, in a place called, I think it was called Misano Adriatico, somewhere near Rome, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, we went there, we just played the tournament, and in a few days, you know, the people looking after us, they, they took us to the street market, shops, you know, anywhere we could go to have a walk around. And we went to this street market, and it was uh, all football shirts. Um, I don't know why, for some reason, the yellow one caught my eye. And I remember I bought that one and I saw it was a, 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 shirt, a top from Sweden because it looked like Sweden, you know? Yeah. Obviously, I, I didn't know Sunderland, I didn't speak English. So for me, Switzerland, Sweden, it was all the same at 10 years old, you know? And, um, and I got a top from Juventus as well. And, and then now, when I was young, you know, I probably wear that top for a good few years. And then you change tops, you stop using one, you, you know, left the other one. And my mom, basically, from since we were young, is saved all our clothes, or the majority of the clothes, especially the football stuff. And she put it in a box, and, and that was it. Ten years after, well, nine years after, ending up signing for Sunderland. And what I used to do every time I, I came home in the summer, uh, I used to bring tops, so I used to speak with a kid man over there in San. I said, "Look, can I have five, six, ten tops to, to take home to to give to my friends and family." And I think it was the first or the second year when I came here, spent four or five weeks, then I went home, and my mom called me after a few weeks saying, "Look, you forgot some tops from from the from the club. What you want me to do?" So you go a couple red and white, and you go a yellow one. Uh, I said, yellow, we don't play with yellow in Sunderland. And I said, yeah, I put, I put the tops that you forgot in the, in the same box that I keep all your tops. And it's one from Sunderland, yellow. And, and that's what happened, basically. I, I, I couldn't believe, you know, uh, that happened. And she sent me a picture 
because I didn't understand what she was talking about. I, you know, I even say, what are you talking about? Um, and then she came to visit me and she brought the top and that's how, you know, how it came out, basically, the story. But uh, it was crazy, honestly, absolutely. Uh, that's what you call destiny, I guess. But yeah. uh, I have, it was over hundreds of tops in there. And for some reason, I remember the yellow one was right on the top, you know, with a, with a hunger. You know, when you had up there, on the basically on this whatever they call all the tops hanging there and the yellow one was there and uh, and and yes that's how that's the how the story uh, worked out. It's funny. It's like that shirt. If you if you ever are short on money, it's worth about two hundred pound on eBay now. So if you still got it, it's worth a lot yeah, of money no, these days. <laughs> I could not sell that. I, no, you know, especially after what happened. You know, that's a. Uh, that's a top that definitely going to a frame because uh, yeah. obviously it, it brings memories from when I was young playing in the streets and also that connection with standing on football too, you know, that's uh, that shirt uh, is, it, it, you know, it, it got more than memories, I think it's, it's good, uh, probably one of the best tops I had. It's a crazy, crazy photo in the fact that it's a person who became so ingrained in Sunderland's history, yet such a, a popular shirt bought before you even knew where Sunderland were. It's just a destiny, as you said, I think was the way you put it. And I, I don't think there's any... Yeah, I saw, the, I saw the white one today. Someone put a white one. I think it was a white one as well. And that looks that looks really good. I never saw that before. And that looks really good. But the yellow one, yeah, a decent one, to be honest. I'm very, very biased. I like my Hummel, as you can maybe tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, uh, nice brand. Nice you brand. can't... You, Smart, as I always said. Um, going into your football career, before you came to Sunderland, you, you joined Argentinos Juniors when you were 11. And I suppose, and I know it may be different now because it's it's a little while ago, but what were the differences in Argentina growing up to maybe what the UK would have been like maybe at that time? Well, it, it was it was hard. It was hard for us because... Um, um, you know, uh, we the majority of the of the boys training we were from mid class and probably below as well. So you know, it, it was a lot of sacrifice that we have to do to not just to become a professional footballer, just to go and train and, and play football. We didn't know that uh, any of us was going to become a professional footballer. So so yeah, it was it was good, enjoyable because I was in a great club. You know, a, a club that. Uh, was uh, was well known around the world for bringing up a lot of players. You know, many many players came out from from that club. Obviously, one of them is, is Diego Maradona. Um, but after him, you know, many many Cambiaso players that play in UK, Riquelme, Juan Pablo Sorin. Well, the list is not endless. my list. Yeah. So so yes, um, but it was uh, you know uh, I I left I live. A lot, um, sorry, far away from the club. So my journey was was long distance. You know, I had to travel an hour and a half, an hour and forty minutes to get there, uh, train, and then another an hour and a half to, to get back. Uh, it was it was I was tired. I had to come back home and then you know do some homework for school. Um, but you know, I love playing football, and uh, and that club was you know a, a great opportunity to. To become better, and you know, and hopefully have the chance to play professional. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't easy. You know, it was a lot of work from me, and a lot a lot of support from my parents as well. 
You know, in Argentina, and maybe this is a really simple way to look at things, but in, in Britain, a lot of the time it's about getting the basics right, being strong, being uh, tenacious. But in, in Argentina, Spain, a lot of players come through that are incredibly skillful players. You know, you being one included. Are you encouraged yeah. more, do you think, in Argentina to just express yourself, be the person you want to be? It's less about maybe winning and losing and more about you know, expressing yourself and being the player that you want to be and learning the mistakes, whether you win or, or draw, sort of growing up or lose, it's just about you expressing yourself. Would you say that's more facilitated in Argentina than maybe the UK? I think, it, at the, I mean, things, are, things change, obviously. Things change sure. um, a, a lot, you know. Uh, and I think now uh, the kids have uh, a lot more pressure a lot more pressure from the parents, a lot more pressure to become a footballer. You know, if you ask a team now, I remember being in England and we have our football academies over there. We have uh, one out there. And uh, we used to ask the kids, you know, why you want to become a footballer? And the majority of them used to answer because I want to earn 20 grand a week or 30 grand a week. And that was the answer. And, and, and that tells you how... I was in changing football, you know, we used to play and I remember I never even saw about money till I was 17 when I saw myself training with the reserves and, and I was training with the reserves and I was one step away from the first team. I saw, oh, I, I got a chance in here and I'm not, I'm only one step away. But when I was 13, 14, 15, I never saw about money. I was doing it for the to compete, to win titles, you know, to, to become better footballer, um, to be in the national team, because we used to have the under-17s and the under-20s. Uh, and that's how, how football was before. Uh, obviously, things always get updated and, and things, I don't know if it gets uh, changed for better, but uh, I think uh, it's good to, to get back to the old school way, I say. Yeah. Like now that Academy UK, I you know I worked in Sunderland Academy for two years and things were a lot different. You know, the kids you have to be careful the way you treat them, you have to be careful the way the way you sing, say you say things, uh, you're not allowed to swear. Uh, I mean when I was young, honestly, some of the managers say to me, and my dad was there, he could hear everything, and my dad never say anything. And that's the way it used to be. It's like you do it my way or you do it my way. It was another way. And and we learned and we became, you know, the majority of the boys playing with me, we became great players, you know. And uh, some of them in different countries, some of them in different levels, but I think the majority make up uh, a living through football. So, you know, it's, it's disappointed. You know, I, I, I'm more like an old school. Yeah. And, and now, even now, you have to be careful when you speak with the parents. I mean, the parents, they, they don't even have to get involved. You know, the parents, you know, they have to go and watch the kids, support them when, when they're home. And that's it. Now the parents, you know, they tell the kid what to do. Things change and you have to adapt. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, no, absolutely. When it comes to, obviously, what you had at Argentina, I think you said, I think the correct words were that, it was a good education, but it was tough. But it did end up where you came to, to Sunderland, as we've kind of touched on slightly. And I remember this, that 2000, August 2000, I think, 3.5 million, um, if I remember correctly. Um, 
at this time, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think you spoke fluent English at that point when you first joined, did you? No, I didn't speak any English at all. No. So when Peter Reed starts speaking to you, could you understand a word he said in that accent at any point during your entire career at Sunderland? Because Peter Reed is pretty broad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, the first, the first two years in the UK was, was complicated. It was, was really hard. Especially being so young, you know, probably when you are 30 years old, you got family with you, uh, you take things in a different way, but at a young age, especially, you know, at that time, we're talking in 2000, uh, you know, uh, the, the technology wasn't as good as it's now, you know. Yeah. Uh, remember, I arrived in the UK without even an email, you know, I didn't have an email. So I had to open an email just to get in touch with my family. And then, uh, obviously, with the pass of the years, things started to like progress. And then you could make calls, but the calls, you know, from UK to Argentina is to be a fortune. I think it was a pound a minute or something like that. It was ridiculous. Uh, or even more. I remember paying a lot of money on phone because uh, we didn't have Wi Fi and all that, you know. And, um, and then, yeah, going to Peter Reed, yeah, the clue. When I arrived in the club, basically we have a few secretaries. One was at the training ground. She didn't speak in Spanish, so every time I went to see her because I need something, she had her dictionary in front of her, and then we used to pass the dictionary between me and her. So I used to say one word or whatever I used to say, I could say. She will read it, she will find the word, and then she explained to me, I'm writing a paper. Oh, it was so complicated, but that's the way we used to deal with before. And we got we got on with you know um, now probably in, a, in any football club especially in the Premier League you have all kind of translators and you know uh, they will help you uh, a lot better. But uh, Emerson Tom obviously was uh, yeah was uh, a big uh, a big influence uh, and a big help to me uh, when when he was there because he speaks four or five different languages uh, and he looked after me like an old brother basically you know. When Even now, he uh, signed at the same years. time. You both joined at the same time, I think, didn't you? you yeah, like, he the same week. Chelsea. I think I can't remember how much they paid for him in Chelsea. And uh, he arrived, we stayed in the same hotel, and uh, we, we started obviously talking. And uh, I, I find that he was, you know, fluent in Spanish. So I was so happy, you know, I was like, <laughs> God, you know. That's, that came from there, you know, he sent, he sent that guy to me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was good. He was a uh, uh, great friend, great friend of mine. You know, I spoke with him the other day. We're still in touch always. Um, he helped me a lot. And we, have, we, we, we create a great relationship in, inside the football piece and outside especially. With them, because I could be wrong with this, and I think it was the season later, so did it become a little easier when Nicolas Medina joined, I think a season later? Yeah, Nicolas Medina arriving in, in Sunderland one year, one year later. Yeah, I thought he had. Did that make it easier for you having someone who, because you, you knew Nicolas from Argentina previously, is yeah. that right? Yeah, I knew Nicolas from the same club. We played in the first team together. He was, uh, well, he is a year younger than me. Um, we, we also played in the national team together on the under 20s when we won the, the World Cup here. And yeah, I got on well with Nicolas, he's a good guy. And, um, and yeah, we spent, I think uh, it was a year and a half, two years, uh, and then he left. 
Yeah. Uh, didn't have a good. Uh, the first, I think the first year he was, yeah, the second year under Peter Reed. Then Peter Reed got sacked, and it was Howard Wilkinson on my third season and on his second season. And then we didn't have a good time. Uh, me and him, we ended up playing in the reserves. I think we won the the, the title for the reserves because we play every week in there. We didn't play for the first team at all. Are you quite surprised because Nicholas only played sort of once for Sunderland? You're someone who seen him beforehand, played with them at the same level. You were so successful at Sunderland and so successful at Middlesbrough. Nicholas, it never really happened for him at all at Sunderland. Are you quite surprised that he didn't adapt and have as much success at Sunderland? Yeah, Nicholas arrived, I think, in the wrong time. You know, if Nicholas arrived when probably Mick McCarthy was there in the championship, he could have played and he would have made a big difference. But Nicholas arrived. Uh, and he had many players ahead of him, players yeah. that uh, they were well experienced, you know, Stefan Schwal, Gav McCann, Alex Ray, Eric Roy. So it was it was many of them uh, a lot stronger physically uh, yeah. with a lot more experience in the Premier League. So yeah. it wasn't going to be easy. You know, on my on my side, when I arrived, Sanderan didn't really have a left wing. He had Kevin Kilbane. I have can't remember another guy who was there. Kevin Kilbane Kilbain was playing on the right sometimes, so that space was was available basically. Yeah. And, uh, that's how I, I adapt myself. Plus, obviously playing on the wing, uh, on the wing, it was a lot easier than playing in the in the middle. You know, especially at, at that young age. You know, it, it, English football was was different than now. You know, it was a lot more physical, uh, a lot more tackles. Uh, the game wasn't stopping every minute like it's now. If he didn't have all these cameras and all that, you know, he played against Roy Keane or Oviedo. So if you're not strong enough against them, you knew what's going to happen, you know. <laughs> you can say that, yeah. It's, I, I feel like it was only yesterday, but when I speak about it with you like that, it makes me feel, well, it makes me remember how much things have changed and they've, they've really changed. But um, I mean, you spoke a little bit about how difficult it was being in a new city and, and I can imagine so. I wanted to, I maybe skipped over this, but when you joined Sunderland, it wasn't just Sunderland who were interested in you. Newcastle were interested as well. Is that right? That's why I got told. Uh, I, could, I could never confirm that, but that's, uh, that's up to the agents obviously to provide information. And, uh, and my agent told me that when we were in the hotel. Say like uh, Bobby Robson was interested in talking to us, but he was in America, and we need to wait for him to get back and then discuss. And at the same time, I have Sunderland flew me over from Argentina to to Sunderland, and they have the contract in, in the table basically. So, what would I risk talking to someone that uh, yeah is interesting, but you know what football is like? One day. You, one day you could be interested in a player and then the next day you change your mind and say, oh, no. So I went all the way there. So look, Sunderland is, is really interesting. He put me a contract on the table. He made me fly. So that's how I made my decision. You know, it was common sense, you know. Yeah, I, I would say it was common sense as a Sunderland fan, of course. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, you joined it. You touched on a few of the players before. It was a a really charismatic dressing room. You know, Chris Macon, Mickey Gray, Alex Ray, Quinn, Kevin Phillips, all really charismatic 
players on the pitch and, and off the pitch as well. Um, how good was that dressing room in, and how important was it in our form and the way that we played? Yeah, it was good. Uh, uh, changing room with a, you know, with a lot of experience in there. Um, obviously, we have a, a striker that uh, the year before won the Golden Boots, Kevin um, Phillips. Um, a great partnership with Niall Quinn, and then we have, you know, Danny Dicchio as well. They was really, he was really good doing the, the Niall Quinn, you know, style of football. Uh, and then obviously the rest of the team was great, you know, uh, international players like Tom. Dan Varga, that big shop, and um, you could tell how how good he, he, he could have been in Sunderland. He yeah. could have been probably one of the backs, but sadly because injuries, he, he didn't. Um, and then yeah, you know, young players as well. You know, players that they, they were waiting for for the right opportunity. That uh, with the pass of the year, they became good players like George McCartney, Kevin Kyle. You know, uh, players like them. Uh, but yeah, the team was, it was probably one of the best, uh, you know, squads uh, in many years. You know, if you think about it, you know, with them, we finished seven and Sander never ever finished seven again after that. So that tells you something. We're currently seventh in League One. <laughs> yeah. <Like laughs> but it's a bit different. <laughs> um, when you were at Sunderland, one of the, my best memories is, well, of life, but especially when I was young, was obviously your first ever derby game. And and I was researching today when I was thinking about questions, and I didn't realize how soon in your son and career that derby game that derby game was. And it was obviously your little dummy that allowed Mickey Gray to go down the wing and things like that. But I live in Glasgow, so for me, Rangers and Celtic are as huge. Um, obviously, Sunderland and Newcastle is enormous and so so important I think the only thing that comes close to it is maybe some of the derbies you see in Argentina so as someone who is you know born in Argentina seen these derbies how does the Sunderland Newcastle derby and the intensity around it compare to some of the big derbies you see in Argentina like you know Boca Juniors and River Plate yeah I mean every every derby is different I guess uh, mm-hmm. the passion is different I'm not saying here is better than the UK or UK is better, but uh, it's just, I think uh, probably here is, is more aggressive, the derby, you know, especially between the fans. Uh, where in UK, yeah, you could see fights between Sandra and Newcastle fans, but uh, it won't go further than that, you know. Yeah. You go play police around, you don't have the hooligans that UK used to have, you know, they all gone now. Uh, it's a it's a it's a show for the for the families as well now. Families can go, granddads, kids, young kids. Here in Argentina, we haven't got to that level yet. You know, yeah. pick and choose where to sit in the stadium to to go with your family. You know, you go, you still got uh, places or stands behind the goals normally where people, everyone is just standing up. Uh, you know, and, and that's not probably a good place to go, you know, with young kids, you know. And to go to a, a decent seat, you have to pay more. So, uh, but yeah, I think it's more aggressive in here, uh, the derbies. Um, every derby here, you know, you go Racing Independiente, River Boca, New Soul Boys, Rosario Central. Uh, but yeah, every derby is more aggressive than, than the ones in the UK. Um, 
when you played in the the Sunderland Newcastle derby, it's you know we're looking back. Uh, I'll say around twenty years, maybe more actually, twenty one years, I think. Um, one of the most iconic derbies, especially from a Sunderland perspective, because of Shearer missing the penalty and and everything that came with it. Um, you had only been at Sunderland about two or three months. How quickly did you realise how important the Sunderland Newcastle derby was to Sunderland fans after you joined? Yeah, it was uh, <clears throat> probably after. Um, I would say probably after you know longer than two or three months because. Uh, um, Yes, I knew it was a derby, but uh, I didn't know how much it meant for the fans to win the derby, you know. And uh, with the pass of the times and the years, I realized, wow, the fans, every time the fixture come out, the first thing you look is when we play them, you know. They didn't even say the name, when we play them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and, um, and yeah, that's when you realize, wow. You know, they just they just looking forward to see when we play Newcastle. They don't care about Manchester United, Arsenal, or Chelsea. They just want to see when we play Newcastle. Um, Pretty much. Uh, and yeah, uh, but it's good derby. You know, I, I I know Newcastle fans and Sunderland fans over there, especially when I play for South Shields. You have a mix in there, and um, and it's just a good crack. You know, the week before, the week after, it's just a build up. Um, it's just entertaining. Uh, yeah. You know, it doesn't go any further than that. Uh, yeah, it could be with some people, but people with a bit of common sense and people, you know, with a bit of respect don't take any further than that. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that, actually, 100%. One memory I've just remembered in my head here talking about derby games. You've experienced the derby as a, as a player on the pitch for Sunderland. But I remember being in the away end at St. James's Park and you were sat singing songs <laughs> about Newcastle players, I remember. What is the yeah. what is the experience of a fan like like when you were in the away end to see Sunderland win in comparison to maybe being a player on the pitch? Did you enjoy it more as a fan? Nah, nah, nah. It's just, you know, when you got the opportunity to play, that's, you know, you can't even describe the difference between one and the other. Uh, obviously, being a fan and you know, uh, and supporting the team is great. But when you've been on the field, like it happened to me, that I have the opportunity to play before, nah, it can't even compare. You know, uh, the yeah. adrenaline feel uh, when you when you're playing uh, is just it's crazy because you're playing for them. You know, you're playing for you know forty-eight thousand uh, when when we play Sunderland, you play for ten, fifteen thousand in there. And uh, you representing all of them, you know, you and obviously your teammates, yeah, your 16 that are going in the squad, you're representing them. So it's up to you, a, a piece, you know, a percentage of you have to do well to obviously trying to, to, to win the game. So when you're a fan, obviously everyone supporting you is great, but you're depending on the players to bring you happiness, you know, yeah. because if you beat, you go home sad. If you win, Wow, wow, weekend. You know, we go for a drink and the drink probably ended up being till four o'clock in the morning because I want to win a derby. So that is the difference. You know, players bring happiness to the fans. Yeah. With them, um, <laughs> it's it's maybe something that I think a lot of Sunderland fans would agree with here. But when, because I'm not keeping to a timeline with your career at Sunderland because there's so much, but I think when you were at Sunderland, you were there when we were really good and you stayed with us when things weren't so good 
But a lot of people that I've spoke to in the past have said that, you know, things went wrong at Sunderland when maybe some of the British players came out and some of the, the foreign players came in and didn't understand it. Now, when you ask someone about Huli Walker at Sunderland, a lot of people say it's be, they loved you because, yes, you were skillful. Yes, you could play. But most importantly, you understood Sunderland. You got it, even though you were from miles away, you understood exactly what it was to be a Sunderland player or what it meant to the fans. So when it comes to the question I'm going to ask, pretty straightforward, what was it that you did that made you understand Sunderland as a club more than some other players have before you, when you were there and, and since you've gone? Because you just seem to understand it more. How was, how was it that it made sense to you so fast? I should say, you know, I don't think I've done anything especially to, to understand quicker than the others. I think, uh, you know, you should realize with time, you know, what the fans are looking for. Sunderland City is a Sunderland with working, working class people. Uh, yes, you have people with a lot of money. You, you, you got people, you know, uh, probably with not a lot of money, but normally the majority is just a working class people that, uh, you know, working hard during the week to, to go and, and watch uh, your, your, your city team playing and, and, you know, and bring you, bring you excitement, you know, take, the, take your problems away, you know, bring problems from, from your wife, from work, from here and there. Then you go on the weekend and you want to see your team playing, winning, and that changed your humor. That changed everything, you know? And, and I started to realize that with the pass of the time, you know, every time we, we, we play in the stadium, the support was unbelievable, the noise. And every time you tackle someone, they, they used to go mental, you know, crazy. And then, you know, uh, getting a ball back and, and doing something different on the technical side, well, a nutmeg or, or a group cross or, well, not even explain a goal. Um, but um, and, and I start to realize, wow, yeah, they 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 really pay attention and they support everything you do. And when things don't happen, even if you try, they still you know they still you know showing respect. Um, and that's what happened because I didn't play well every game. You know, uh, it's hard to play every game, but you know I work hard. You know, and that that's in you. You know, that, that's something yeah. that you know you can't know by. You know, I always say to young kids, when you compete and you want to win, that's something, a mentality you have inside. And if you don't have from young age, you're never going to have it. You know, I, that's why I think, you know, I think it's hard to change that. I mean, talking your age when you're 10, 11, 12, you know, and when you don't have that uh, hunger of winning, competing and all that, then I don't think you might get it. Um, and that was, that was Sunderland, you know. Um, they, the fans, they, they were always were there, good and bad times, you know, when we got relegated, or the year we became relegated, 30,000 there, supporting the team. And some players, yeah, some players feel the pressure a bit more, you know. I don't think, I, it was few players, I don't think they, they were feeling comfortable playing at home, especially when we getting relegated, because, uh, you know, the fans weren't really happy. But I love it. You know, uh, even getting relegated, you know, he was playing like, you know, Sunderland Stadium was my house. You know, it was like, I'd rather play in my house than play in someone else's house, you know. Uh, so, you know, that was me. I felt comfortable playing there, or even even on the bad times. But um, 
but yeah, you you know you you see uh, the passion that the Sunderland fans uh, got, and that's why it's sad to see what's been happening in the club for the last not just few years, for the last probably I would say five ten years, because this this been happening for a while that at some point the, the bomb was going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> I've been saying that for many years. Some you know Sunderland at some point problems gonna come. You know, championship, League One. I don't think it's gonna go any further down. Yeah. But uh, it will take a long time. It will take a long time to to get back in the in the Premier League. It seems still the same as is now I think. Did you watch um, Sun Until I Die on Netflix? I watched bits. I watched bits. I didn't watch it all because, ah, no, I could, I could not stand at some of the things that I saw there. So uh, that, that wasn't the clue that when I was there. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't the clue. You know, when I was there, it was a family clue there. Uh, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the same clue. That's why I didn't watch it all. I watched bits, but then... Uh, I should I should stop because uh, I didn't I didn't feel good watching it. Yeah, no, I was I was going to ask how different it was, but you've you've answered that question very much. So um, I was watching before we were speaking today a, a compilation of the different goals that you'd scored. Obviously, your West West Ham on your your derby, Bradford. I was there when you scored. I think you ran about 150 yards, maybe two pitches length, and, yeah. and loved the goalkeeper. Oh, it was me, I mean, I don't know what happened. They didn't want to take the ball away from me. What was your favourite Sunderland goal? Well, I mean, to, to pick one goal, it'd be, it'd be hard. But um, obviously, the first one was the most important one. Yeah. Uh, just to like step my to start my my English career with a, with a goal that was uh, that was incredible. You know, um, shame that we didn't win that game, but uh, it was it was a good game, full house as well, and. Uh, Against Bradford, uh, yeah, which was obviously a good goal. Then I scored a few more goals, you know, with Sunderland. Uh, that uh, especially in the championship, that, that, that were important as well to, to help yeah. the team achieve promotion. But uh, yeah, I probably would say then two West Ham and Bradford were the the goals that uh, I most enjoyed. You signed under under Peter Reid, obviously, but I think. You probably played about as many games under Mick McCarthy because of the way that you know your time at Sunderland went. Um, I, I love Mick McCarthy; he's one of my favourite people on the planet. Um, but how did you? How much did you enjoy playing under Mick McCarthy in the Championship season? Yeah, well, with Mick McCarthy was uh, was a bit funny what happened because um, I was we were playing on the. How Wilkinson and then I think it was Kevin Ball the last Bally. yeah 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 and I wasn't I wasn't even involved in the team so I was just desperate for the season to end and then just get my bags and go um, and and I heard that me McCarthy was coming obviously I knew him you know uh, well recognized manager especially from being in Ireland and and we have a little chat you know I said. You know, look, if I'm not going to be in the plan, then I'd, I'd rather not waste any more time. You know, I was young, I wanted to play. Uh, sometimes change are for better. You know, when you're not playing and you start losing interest in football, 
So you sometimes you need the, that this kind of changes to get the adrenaline back, you know. And he said to me from you know from the beginning, he said, "Look, you're gonna be you're gonna be part of the team. You know, I want you to stay." And and that's the reason why I stay. You know, it was it was really honest. And me and McCarthy, you know, was one of them people that it was you know black or white. You know, he won't he won't go in, in between. He tell you yes, I want to stay or or no. And I think, you know, I, I respect the people, you know, I'd rather be honest and, and tell you, even if you say to me, no, I want you to go, then fine, you know, nothing against the guy, but um, things are you not know, working really well, you know, especially in the championship. The first season with him, we achieved the FA Cup semi-final, lost in the playoff in the semi-final as well, and the second year, uh, the second year, we, we don't really well with with a team that not many people know they knew the players, players coming from 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 low leagues. So, you know, uh, it's it's not just me McCarthy, the, the staff that he was working with him done a fantastic job with bringing these players. Do you know when we talked about the characters that were in the team when you, you first came in and we said like Alex Ray, Chris Make and Nicky Summerby, those kind of players. Um when I think about the, the championship winning season under Mick McCarthy, and I think about the, the players that we had, players that went on to have good careers, but were unknown at the time, Dean Whitehead, Liam Lawrence, and, and things like that. How good was the character of the team then? Do you think that doesn't get talked about enough? Because it was, it was a really big achievement to get that team up. It was a bunch of young, young players and a, a bunch of players from the lower league that had a great character that McCarthy built. Do you think that gets enough credit? I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think they did, they did a fantastic job. Uh, obviously, every league needs different players. Yeah. Uh, you cannot play, for example, Sunderland. Sunderland get promotion this year. Next year, in the championship, if you go and play with the same team without really respecting any of the players, you need to bring players that uh, you know, can achieve something in the championship, can make the team better. And if you go promotion again in the Premier League, then you need to invest. Basically, and what happened with uh, with our team in the in the championship? We done really well. You know, the championship is no an easy no an easy league to play. Very competitive. You play many many games, especially with the cup games. But uh, the team done really well. We didn't have a big big squad there. And but then when we go in the Premier League, they didn't really give the the money that me McCarthy wanted, and the consequences were just. Get relegated, you know. Uh, again, you know, it's just it's just one of the things that you know you want to stay. You need to invest, you know. And uh, I'm not saying invest and go and spend a hundred millions, but uh, you need to give some money to the manager to at least uh, bring, you know, a good five, six, seven players yeah. that uh, could could make the thing stronger. With the because you'd obviously stayed when we got relegated with 19 points and then you worked so hard with the team to, to get back up. And a lot of people, you know, respect you because of the loyalty that you've shown, because I think it was quite obvious you could have maybe played in the premiership, but you stayed and you fought and you got us back up. When you started realising that maybe the team wasn't good enough, because we, we realised that quite fast as fans and I think the players realised too. Was that quite hard for you that season, knowing that we just weren't quite good enough after all that work you put in, yeah, yeah. The good thing with that team it was 
it was a team that uh, probably didn't have the quality enough to to stay in the Premier League, but the, the spirit and the, the 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 way the lads work, you know, they work so hard. You know, they work hard to to try to stay. You know, if you think about it, we never really go massively beat. You know, never. Two no. one, three one, one nil. It was close. Uh, that's what I'm saying. With six seven players, could just you know break that barrier. You know, but only that wasn't up to the manager. That was up to the coach. Like give them money. So it was frustrating because yeah, every time you you concede, we knew it was going to be hard or impossible to turn it around. Um, and uh, and yeah, we could feel that. But uh, you know, as a player, you, you you have to do your job. You get paid to hopefully do your job and do the best you can. And I think that the lads, I think the lads did the best they could. But uh, obviously, uh, we didn't have enough quality to to compete with with other. With other teams. Yeah, I think that that was it. Yeah, we've we've had John Stead on the show, who was obviously one of those players that unfortunately had a nightmare time at Sunday, and, and he pretty much echoed exactly the same. But as it was, you know, you you got relegated with Sunderland, and I think everyone knew that you were, you were going to leave. I think everyone almost respected it, to be honest. And there was rumours yeah. at the time of a few different pl- places that you may be going, and Middlesbrough was talked about. I think everyone was okay with that. Somebody mentioned Newcastle and we were like, well, hold on a minute. But when you went to Middlesbrough, was there any other options? Yes, uh, I was close to, to sign for a Spanish team. Uh, Espanol. Yeah. Barcelona. Uh, yes, they they were told with my age. Well, yeah, my age and uh, yeah, we were close. And But then at that time, it's, Spain have some financial problems with players. Spain, when they wanted, I, I don't know. It wasn't really clear how much uh, they were looking to pay me. It was all in different. Contra was a bit messy, you know. So yeah. I wanted to get back playing the Premier League. Uh, obviously, Spain was tempted because uh, I think um, the Spanish the Spanish league uh, probably could have suited me better. You know, because uh, you know, it's, you know, I don't know, uh, but that's a, that's a league that I always want to, to test, you know, to try. Yeah. Um, you know, when the offer from Middlesbrough came, give me the chance to back in the Premier League. I didn't think twice, you know, uh, especially with the with the with the quality of players that uh, Middlesbrough have. You know, being in the UEFA semi UEFA final the year before. So, yeah. A great, great, great team, fantastic team. When you went to Middlesbrough, were you ever worried that because you played for Sunderland, you wouldn't be accepted, or did you not? Do you not think about that as a footballer? No, not really. No, no. I think uh, Middlesbrough is different than Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, the, the rivalry between Sunderland and Newcastle, yes. If I was, if I was going from, uh, from Sunderland to Newcastle, yes, I, I could expect, you know, what was going to happen. Um, but uh, no, to be honest, the, the relationship with Sunderland fans when I was in Middlesbrough never changed. No, it didn't. Uh, change even when I play against them, I score against Sunderland. Uh, no, I, I used to live in Sunderland when I was playing for Middlesbrough. I never moved, you know. So I used to go for a drink in Sunderland, and I never had any problem. You know, I think uh, you know the fans understood. I, I stayed there. 
you know, good times, bad times. The second relegation, the club was in a in a bad position, you know. And we didn't have a chairman. We didn't know what was going to happen. Then Niall Quinn and you know being in charge. Then of me when I signed for Middlesbrough after that, I think it was a month or two months after Roy King signed for the clues, so and things things start to get better again. Yeah. Uh, if I knew that <laughs> things could have been different. I could have stayed probably in Sunderland for another five, six years, but uh, obviously I didn't know that was going to happen and clues. As I say before, I want to get back in the Premier League. Yeah, of course. With um, with Middlesbrough, I think it was your first game. I'm sure you broke your foot on your on your debut. So you go to a new club, you're, you're ready to impress, and then I think you know you get an injury that keeps you out for a couple of months. Was it a difficult opening few months because of the injury at Middlesbrough? Yeah, yeah, because I have a good preseason. I was going to play left back, you know, yeah. the position that I always wanted to play. Uh, it was me and Stewie Downing, and she was in front of me. So it was a good partnership. We played a couple, couple of games together in Sunderland when he was alone in Sunderland. Yeah. Uh, and we did pretty well. So I was looking forward for that, to be honest. And, and yeah, it just happened. The injury, it wasn't about injury, but it was a you know, broken bone that uh, leave you out for a couple of months. Then one of the young players started playing his left back. Um, we started getting injuries in the in the middle, and when I go back, the manager asked me to play as a midfield. You know, um, basically that became my my position, centre midfield, a position I never ever played before. Uh, and and yeah, to be honest, never ever really had the chance to play in my in my position for a long time. Yeah, uh, left back. But it's uh, when you were at, because I remember it, Southgate was the manager then, I think that, that placed you into the, yeah. the midfield. And I remember watching, I can't remember, I think it was match of the day and they interviewed some Middlesbrough fans and they were asking about, you know, you in midfield and they all loved you in midfield. How, how did you find the position? Um, no, the midfield in, in Middlesbrough, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Or the position, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was good. I was playing. Uh, I was playing with um, with fantastic players. I was playing with uh, George Waden, um, Fabio Rochenbach, Guys, Camendieta was there. Yeah, we have some some quality players there. So um, uh, then I have two guys in front. Uh, it was it was so easy to play with them. Mark Duca and and Yaku. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, I remember. I feel so comfortable playing with them because every time you give the ball. They could they could hold the ball for you know whatever they wanted you know the short strong uh, with different qualities but fantastic players um, and then on the side we used to have Stuart Downing on the right on the left sorry and then we have a few different players playing on the right but uh, now I was I enjoy I enjoy that position especially with that team. How good was Mendieta? Because I remember when Middlesbrough first signed him. That kind of blew my mind a little bit. I'd seen Middlesbrough bring in Janino and Ravinelli, but Mendieta was, he seemed like the next big thing and he'd gone to Middlesbrough and he was phenomenal to watch. But how good was he in training and to play alongside? Yeah, I think in training, probably one of the best players. One of the best players I trained with. Um, he was, if you think about it, he was a player that at some point he was the best player paid in the world. Yeah. I think when last year. And 
uh, was a humble guy. You know, uh, he was the first time, he was the first one to be in the training ground, the last one to leave. Uh, training like, you know, like any other young kids. Uh, even when he wasn't playing, you know, it was, it was a time where he wasn't even on the squad. And he will be training outside on the gym after lunch. Uh, ah, fantastic. I think it was a fantastic example for the young kids to, to see, you know, a guy that done everything in football that reached, I think, two or three Champions League finals, yeah. playing, playing, playing the biggest team in, the, in Barcelona, Lazio, uh, and to do what he was doing. Uh, no, great. I always say to him, you know, that uh, it was great to see him doing all that because, uh, uh, you know, for young kids, as I say, to see that, you know, fantastic. In that team that you mentioned before, there's, there's so many good players for Borough at that point, and Mendieta is the one that sticks out for me. But apart from Mendieta, who was the best player that you played with at Middlesbrough in your, in your time there? Well, again, you know, it was. It was many good players, many, many good players in there. The two front uh, strikers, uh, they were fantastic. Uh, Stewie Downing, great, great, great player. You know, and then um, on the back, uh, we used to have uh, we used to have Robert Hood that uh, done, done really well when he was a middle group. Uh, Jonathan Woodgate that uh, came from Real Madrid. And I think his first season or his second season, his second season, he played something like 35 games. He never yeah. ever played games before in a season. Um, and he, you could tell how good he was when he was fit. Yeah. You know? uh, and he made uh, make a massive difference for our, our defense. Then obviously he started to get injuries again and all that. But, um, but yeah, he, when he was fit, he was, he was, he was really good. And then we have, uh, you know, obviously our keeper, Mark Schwarz, then we have uh, Abel Xavier. Remember oh, the yeah. With the hair. He was a great player for me. Yeah, as well. cracking player. So, yeah, it was, it was an amount of good players. It's hard to pick only one. When you, obviously you mentioned before about if you knew what was going to happen at Sunderland, you, you may have stayed. But I remember when you left it, we... You could have never imagined that what would happen at Sunderland would have happened. It just, it was a miracle almost. But I remember when we got promoted, there was big rumours that I think it was Roy Keane had, had put a bid in for you to bring you back in 2007, 2008. Did Sunderland try to sign you and bring you back? Uh, yes. They didn't get in touch with me. They did get in touch with me as well. Um, well, basically, I got told that Middlesbrough wasn't going to accept any offers for me. Yeah. So they say, look, we're not going to accept any offer. So I say, any offer? No. Okay. So, so that was it, basically. Um, you know, they, they gave me a, a longer contract after that because uh, Gary Saugay wanted, wanted me to stay and... You know, it's good to be wanted. Of course. But it's to be, uh, it's good to be wanted for your own clue as well. You know, it's good to be wanted from others, but when your own clue says no, I want you to stay. So I give you confidence that, that you know, make you believe that they want you there. So uh, I was happy. I was happy to stay. You know, at that time, you know, and um, 
I don't know what could have happened if I went to Sunderland, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have the pressure. You know, when you play for a team two times, especially when you did well the first time, I think you're going with a more, you're going with a lot more pressure. You have to, you know, uh, perform like you did before or better, because you know what fans are like. You know, uh, it happened with Michael Bridges. You know, when Michael Bridges went yeah. back to Sunderland the second time, he wasn't the same than than the young one. He did well, but uh, you know, different player. If he, you know, fans were happy or not, but uh, you know, you he wasn't. He wasn't the player that was there the first time. You're, you're totally right, and and you can't, um, you can't play one, you know. Yeah, and and you know sometimes Ke- Kevin Phillips had rumours of coming back, and I remember being very disappointed that he didn't come back. But at the same time, had he come back and not played very well, would that have ruined his legacy? So almost in hindsight, it's it's almost a good thing, I isn't think, it? I think players think about that when they have to make that decision. Of course, especially when if you're young, if you're young. It probably doesn't make much difference, but uh, when you get a bit older, like Kevin Phillips getting older, then uh, he probably would have preferred people to remember him in the good times and in the bad, bad yeah, times. Absolutely. Um, you were made club captain by Gareth Southgate, but it was only for like a few games, and he, I think he changed to Emmanuel Pogatetz shortly afterwards, and, and he actually dropped you for a small period. How did you feel during that period when you'd been dropped by Southgate and the Captaincy had been moved to Pogatetz. Yeah, I don't know. That was a strange. Uh, I don't know what happened there. You know, I remember playing Bosman away and he pulled me and he said, look, oh, we're going to make some changes here and I want you to be a captain. So I was happy, but I feel a bit uncomfortable because George Watten was the captain there for a long, long time. Yeah. So to take that away from him, obviously I never asked why. Like I never asked why when they took the campus away from me. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, it's just strange. Yeah, and then I got dropped for a while. And then uh, when we got relegated, I have uh, all precision. I was the captain as well. Uh, the beginning of the championship. Um, and the first game, I remember, I think it was the first game that uh, I, used to, well, I used to carry an inch on my foot for a, for a long time. And uh, I have to, I have to inject it before the, the start of the season. Uh, it was a bit painful, but the injection was tailor. Like, given Monday on Wednesday, I could train again. You know, I only had to stop for two days to let it let it heal. Uh, and then on, on the weekend, I wasn't even on the squad, so I was pre. I was playing all the games on preseason. Uh, I was captain, and we started the season. Before a week we start, I injected my foot so should I be ready? And then I wasn't in the squad, so so it was like, wow, uh, you know, I couldn't understand that. Uh, and I think we have a little chat. I can't remember exactly what happened now, but uh, but yeah, it was it was a couple of things that uh, obviously as a player it made you happy, but uh, I don't know, I don't know what was the manager reasons uh, to do that. With um, Southgate, obviously, things have changed very much for him. Um, he was a very, very young manager at that point. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be things that maybe he wasn't good at then that he's very good at now. And that's why he's the, the England manager. But at the moment, he's, you know, he took England to a World Cup semi-final. He's doing quite well. He's got a good chance, I would think, and hope at the next tournament. But what kind of a manager was Gareth Southgate like with you? Did you enjoy playing under him? 
Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was good. It was really good. Great person, you know, great great person. Easy to talk with. Um, look after the players, but like you say, it was it was not. I, I don't say young, but yes, probably an experience to be a manager. Yeah, I think the hardest thing for him was become a, a manager to the player he used to play with. That's probably the hardest thing that happened to him. Because if he was a manager in a different team, uh, it could have probably been easier for him because the decisions didn't have an impact in relationship that he had with players. Uh, you know, he used to travel with probably some of the lads from, I think he was coming from Harrogate or something like that. And then uh, the same lad he used to travel in the car with, messing around, and you coaching them, and you might leave out of the squad or you might put on the bench, and they were your teammates. So, you know, I'm sure that was a slightly complicated for him, yeah. you know? But I think he done a fantastic job, you know. Uh, yes, could have done a lot better with a more, more, more experience, but look where he is now. So that tells you that with time, he, he only needed time. You know, and, and yeah, we got relegated with Middlesbrough, but I, I don't know what happened in that season because we have a fantastic team. To get relegated with that team, that was it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but we find ourselves in the bottom of the league, and then injuries and being unlucky sometimes and things like that. Then you know, uh, could, we, we could not get out from that and then pay the consequences. Yeah, things happen, I guess, sometimes. Um, but at the end of that, you know, at the end of your career at Middlesbrough, should we say, yeah, when your contract expired, I think yeah. I think you were you were 32. So I'm 34, so I've got to pretend that 32 is definitely still young. Um, you retired from professional football at that point. And I remember finding it, and I know you had a few injuries with Middlesbrough, but I remember finding it quite surprising that you'd gone playing quite high, well, really high-level football, with the quality of play that you were in retiring at that age, what was your reasons behind retiring from professional football at that age? Basically, I before I end my contract with Middlesbrough, I have an operation on my foot. It was an injury that I was probably carrying since I was 25, 26. Uh, it was an arthritis on my on 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 my toe on, mm-hmm. on the. On the bonion, you know, on the big bone that you have uh, underneath your big toe, and that was uh, giving giving me a lot of pain. So I decided to have an operation to to, to correct uh, the the toe and, and take some some bone away so to see if it could get better. But the recuperation took nearly two years, so it was a long time. You know, thinking about now, yes, uh, I should have come back playing again. But uh, for some reason, you know, uh, the last few months in Middlesbrough, I wasn't playing. Uh, you know, when you're not playing, especially at that age, you start losing interest in football. Yeah. You know, uh, people probably think, oh, well, you get paid. No, but you want to play. It's not about just getting paid. You know, you want to play, you want to compete. So I was, I was feeling, a, feeling a bit fed up and... Um, and that happened, the operation happened, the, the operation went well, but the rehabilitation took a bit longer than what I expected. So I started doing my coaching batches after a year and a half, I think. Um, go up to my B license. Um, and then, well, then going to just uh, start playing uh, tennis, running, 
and start feeling a bit better. And that's, that was the time where I could have, back, could have gone back to, to play at 34. You know, I could have probably gone abroad or somewhere like that. But then I didn't. Ending up uh, in Sunderland. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I really wanted to, because South Shields is, is really where I spent most of my life. So I'm interested in that. But before we go to South Shields, um, you played for the Willow Pond for about half a season? Yeah, yeah, I was in Jewish, probably, yeah, nearly, nearly a season, yeah. So how did that happen? Was that just a few beers one night and you got roped into it by accident, or did you approach no, them? Or? It was a friend of mine that he was bullying me for a while. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a, a, a night out. No, he was a, he was a friend of mine that uh, we knew. We knew each other, a big Sunderland supporter. Um, and uh, he was saying to me, ah, you're not playing. You should, you know, you should get back playing. You get your feet. Uh, you can try and test your foot and see what you feel like. Uh, and I was, no, 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 no. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about Sunday League. Uh, I didn't play before, so I wasn't saying no because I wasn't interested in playing. And and then you know saying yes, uh, and then uh, that's how it started. So I went to play a few games. Then somehow the newspapers start picking up that I was playing Sunday League, and then uh, uh, the pub that I was playing for, the Willowpond. Basically, have every couple of weeks newspapers, Sky Sports, uh, but at least at least I give them some popularity, you know, and uh, they go a bit popular, and uh, and yeah, they, they, obviously the lads were over the moon to have the cameras in there, the <laughs> newspapers. Uh, I remember the Sky Sports went to record again, you know, with the cameras and all that. It was like, wow, what are they doing here, you know, Sky Sports. But yeah, it was it was a good experience. You know, I got to know a lot of working class people there that you don't meet when you play professional football because you know you're just basically in, on a bubble, you know. Mm-hmm. And you train, you go home, you train, you know, you train in the afternoon. So basically, you have that style, you know, of life. So I got to know, you know, great people that some of them I still in touch with after many years. Um, and yeah. Obviously, you know what Sunday League is like. You know, it's just uh, it's just a totally different experience. Uh, it, it was going back. It was like made me feel like I was playing again. You know, yeah. playing on some of the pitches I play. Like wow, like uh, if I didn't do any of my ankles in there, then that's it. You know, because <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was some some good places, some bad places. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the lads, the lads took me well. I think they they saw it was you know Premier League, Championship player coming here. They saw that I was going to be a bit arrogant or something like that. Because that's that's why I think some people think about footballer. You know, they yeah. think that every footballer oh they got money or this and that, and they're arrogant. And, you know, I, I'm no I'm no one of them. You know, I always uh, been. Being you know the person I am, uh, I always have time for everyone, and and yet they realize straight away. You know, after the games, I go with them, have a few pints on a Sunday, um, probably put a cheeky bet on something like that, you know, and have a laugh with that. And you know, just being one of them, and they, they love it, and I love it too. You know, and we we have a good season there. It was it was good. I think we got promotion with them, so 
yeah, it was it was entertaining. Yeah. No, I, I loved that story when it came up. But then it made me think, is that is that how the Moves to South Shields came along? Did you find your love back and think, actually, I want to play it at you know, a level maybe a little higher and play on a more regular basis? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't looking forward to playing higher. You know, I was doing it for a hobby. You know, I wasn't going to, uh, at that time, I didn't have any Asian. I was just, I was just me enjoying football, you know. Uh, I'm paying, pay, I was paying to play football. So Yeah, you paid yourself, uh, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I was paying to play football. So, plus, uh, I remember like, um, he only had to pay 350 but by the time I left the pool, I probably spent 30 quid because it was money for the bingo, money for this, money for that, money for that. Couple of pints, you'd be like, oh, it's supposed to pay 350 and you know, you know, <laughs> you know? But, um, but yes, our shields came, uh, the manager there uh, basically asked uh, one of the physios that I know, if it's true that it's true, who you're playing Sunday league. So yeah, he's been playing for nearly a year there. Uh, I've been asking if you look fit and this and that. So he called me a few times. He asked me, I say no, no interesting. Uh, and then basically, you know, he keep pushing until, until he got me there. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't prepared to travel again, you know, and doing all that again. So because they were playing just local, basically, around the area. So, so I say yes, uh, and obviously it was was helpful. Was, it was helpful for the club as well. Yeah, because you know, in a good way, they use my name to to obviously franchise the club and get people through the door. And and yeah, I think it worked well for for me and for them. You know, it gave me give me the choice to play a bit higher again and compete, and do something good for the club, and. And it helped them to basically bring, uh, well, create, create a strong platform. How much did you enjoy your day at Wembley with South Shields? Oh, to be honest, it was it was great. I enjoy, you know, I since I was in South Shields from the beginning, it, it reminded me when I was young playing in, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, playing in, in different fields, you know, around the country, around Buenos Aires, uh, when we had the fans just next to you, you know, just yeah. a meter away with your dad, your mom, you know, family there. And uh, that's what it reminds me, like going back 20 years ago. And um, and enjoy, you know, I, I was fit, I ruled a lot, you know, I, was, I wasn't like just there, just like pass the time, you know. And, and I think uh, that was uh, contagious, you know, to the other players. They saw me, oh, well, he's doing it, you know. He, he played here, 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 and he's ruling more than all. So that's what I wanted to bring there. You know, if I can do it, you know, you have to do it as well. And I seen the, the group going to that, and um, and that's why we, we got year after year after year getting promotion. And then that year that we got in Wembley, we won the league, we won two local cups, and then we're finishing Wembley. Uh, 80,000 fans there. Uh, fantastic. I think we, we have a you know, we have a great team. It was, it was hard. It was going to be hard to get beat. Yeah. You know, without arrogance. Because uh, that, that scene, we went 40 games unbeaten, or I can't remember how many yeah. games we It was won. a lot, yeah. 
Uh, so, you know, when you like, when you're that confident, you feel like you could play against anyone, you know. Um, and we're going to that game, obviously, with, with the respect that you have to, you have to show to any opponent, but uh, we knew that uh, we were very strong and uh, capable to win. And uh, yeah, it was, it was great. It was, well, that's, that's football. That's how crazy football is. You know, three years ago, I was playing Sunday League. And then I ended up playing probably winning a title, going up the stairs and picking the trophy up and lifting up. How how can I explain that? You know, it's just that's football. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Obviously, with you playing for you know two massive northeast clubs in Sunland and also in in Middlesbrough. South Shields is a really well-run club. I went there last year, and obviously, it's basically my hometown club, despite the fact that I live away from there and I was born in Sunderland. Um, how far do you think South Shields can go under the current ownership and, and the way that they ran? Yeah, I think uh, they can go. They can go. They can go far. I mean, they they gone further. You know, yeah, yeah. Part of what they achieve already. Uh, I mean, when we play, when we when I was playing there the first season. I mean, the ground was, the pitch was some some day was unplayable, especially when it was raining. They didn't have any rain. It was just playing in mud, you know. And um, the stands, everything was just basic, you know. Things uh, got bad inside the field, and obviously, when you're playing and winning games, that bring income, I guess, for the club, you know, because the fans start coming more. Um, the chairman obviously felt confident enough to say, "Look, we got a good team. We we we're winning promotion after promotion. So obviously he invests invests uh, you know good amount of money there. And now the clue is just you know it's fantastic. Uh, they got um, a big astroturf pitch behind the the, 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 the full wall. They got uh, a lot of stands in there. I don't know the capacity. I think it's maybe over two and a half." Probably three thousand there now. Yeah, some uh, three thousand, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, they got a football academy there now. Uh, academy from young age all the way to the first team. They can go further, but the further you go, the higher you go, the harder it gets. You know, you know, the first three years we got promotion, promotion, promotion. Now it's just it's just taking away. You know, not gonna win promotion every year. That's again, it's common sense, you know, it's hard to do that. Yes, it could happen, uh, like it happened, you know, with many teams in, in the low leagues, but uh, I think they can go into professional football. Yes, they can. Yeah, they got the, they got the, I think they got a good chairman that uh, will support them. They got, you know, a decent people working in the club. And yes, but it will take time. You know, you have to be patient and it will take time. Yeah. Julio, thanks so much for your time. Amazing to, uh, to chat to one of my heroes, but I hope you had fun as well. For you as well. No, thank you very much.